We are going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Last week we preached on verse 13, and we're going to go uh, just recap a little bit on that, hopefully, and then jump into those next three verses. So Matthew 5, 13 through 16, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and I want to talk for just a little while on the subject of you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Let's read together. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. Can you say that with me? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and, give, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May God add a blessing to the reading of His Word this morning. Last week, I handed out a bunch of the little packets of salt. We did. Uh, how many still have those in your billfold, your, uh, your purse? Uh, make sure that you don't put them way down there in the bottom where all that lint and that uh, you know stuff get kind of collects. Uh, but I do want you to be reminded, somebody showed me that uh, they wrote, Be the Salt on their little salt uh, packet. So, uh, it's important for us to have those reminders because when we leave this place is when the real test comes, uh, that we're to be the salt. And so we looked at the salt, and the salt has historically been valuable. We said that even the Roman soldiers in Jesus' day, many of them were paid with salt. And that even the English word salary contains that root word uh, that was used to express salt. So there was a value to salt in their everyday life. It helped them uh, do all kinds of things, preserve and do uh, things that because they didn't have modern day refrigeration. And we simply said this, that salt has value. And then if Jesus said that we are to be the salt of, of the earth, then we can conclude that we have value to the kingdom of God. Now, that value is not because of our abilities or our strengths or anything that is personal about that, but that value is because we have the salt of the earth, which is uh, the presence of the Lord in our own lives. And I simply ask the question, are you salty? Are you salty? And, and in this day and time in this world, that simply means, are, are you mad at me? Are you salty? Are you upset with me? But in Jesus' time, he's asking them, are you salty? You need to make a difference in this world, and the only way that you can make a difference is that you are salt, that you add flavor. How many knows that we are to add flavor to the environment that we go into, whether it's work, whether it is uh, the doctor's office, whether it is the grocery store, wherever you may find yourself, that we are to add and influence the flavor of that place. We are also to be preservatives we are to 
penetrate the world like salt does and to permeate it and make it a better place. But finally, the most important thing that we said about salt is that it were to promote thirst for Jesus Christ. That's what we're to do. You see, the world needs Jesus, but they don't know they need Jesus. The world, which we'll talk about in a minute, is in the dark, but they don't realize they're in the dark. And so we must be the salt, and we must be the light. Uh, How many have experienced some of the darkness of this world? You see, it is a dark place. I don't even have to go into the evilness and the treachery that happens and the unfairness and the, all the things that happen in this world. We know that it is a dark place. But Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Now, if we look at that in the original, it's more like this. You and only you are the light of the world. That means that we have a special call and anointing upon our life. That means we have a special call upon our life to be the light. We're to be a a, a source of hope. That's what light brings into this world. We're to be a a, a source of, of hope and joy and peace and all of those things that Jesus said that He is, we are to be. And since we're, it says, you are you and only you are the light of the world. What that tells me is that we're God's plan A. Anybody do plan A's and B's and C's? Kelly does. I know she does. That's just her. That's, she, she plans to the nth degree of what could happen or might happen. And so you have a, a plan A, B, C. But what I want you to know is that God does not have a plan B. And that you are his plan A. That means that you are to do the work that he's called you to do. And we're not to depend upon somebody else to do, to be the light. Right? Look at your neighbor and say, you're the light of the world. You're you're the light of this world. We are God's plan A. Notice that Jesus did not tell his disciples, those who were following him, There, that day as he preaches from the mount, he did not say, I hope you are, I wish that you would be, you might be, you ought to be. He said, you are, look at your neighbor and say, you are. You are the light of the world. Now look at your scripture, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the light of the world. The Bible tells us that God is light. So how can we be the light of the world? Because He lives inside of us. You see, it's not an intrinsic value that I have. It is the Spirit of God living inside of me that makes me the light of the world and makes you the light of the world. You are the light of the world. John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, I say darkness, but have the light of life. 
If you were here on Easter, you will remember, hopefully, uh, maybe I'll just remind you that I preached about the darkness surrounding the cross. All of the writers of the Gospels, they all focused, they all said it was dark, it was, it was gloomy, it was bad, uh, all kinds of things were happening, and there was darkness. You see, there's darkness in this world. And as we look at the cross, there was darkness there. As we look at the tomb on day one and day two, there's darkness. But something happens. Help me preach this morning. On day three, as the light begins to shine and Christ comes up out of that grave and Mary gets to the tomb and when it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit dark but there's a light that is shining and she does not understand what is going on. It's that light of life. It's Christ. Jesus inside of us. When Christ was in the grave, then the tomb, there was no way that darkness would overtake him. It, it would only lay hold on him for just a little while. But on the third day, you see, he arose from that grave and, and darkness was defeated. Death, hell, and the grave, the Bible tells us, were defeated because of the light. He is the light. And we are the light because He lives inside of us. John chapter 1, verse 5. I want to show you guys something. John 1, 5. I want to read it to you from the King James Version. And then we're going to look at it from the NIV. And I want you to see the difference. You see, John, in his first chapter, starts off this way. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning, with God. John is focusing initially on the beginning when Jesus was there at the creation. And so he's talking about the past. But now when we look at this verse, we see that the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. NIV says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So which one is right? Trick question. Both. Both are right. Can I tell you that if the devil had any sense at all, if he knew what was going to happen at the cross, he would have never uh, had Jesus go to the cross and be crucified. Because he arose. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And the devil could not comprehend it. I imagine the devil kind of putting his hands together and say, I've got him now. Oh, he's on the cross. He's going to be defeated. And it's all oh, this kingdom is going to be mine. But he did not understand the plan of God. He did not comprehend it. In the same tone... Same word, by the way. That's why you study the Greek or the Hebrew. Same word also means that not only could the devil not comprehend it, but he could not overtake the light. Did you hear me this morning? You see, darkness never has a chance of overtaking the light. 
the plan of the devil never has a chance in this world of taking over the plan of God. It is the light that will always overtake the darkness, not the opposite way. What power in that statement. But, but I want to show you something. Here is John talking about the past. In the beginning was the Word. Word was with God. The Word God was God. And the same was the beginning with God. That's past tense. Now we get to verse 5. Verse 5, and it says, The light shineth. The light shines. Present perfect tense. That means the light did shine, the light is shining, and the light will always shine. That's good preaching right there. That's good word. You, you see, the darkness will never defeat the light. It doesn't matter. It never did in the past. It will not in the present. And it will certainly not in the future. The light always overcomes the darkness. Aren't you thankful for the light this morning? And Jesus says that you're the light as well. That you have Him dwelling inside of you. Now in Jesus' day, in their houses they had small clay pots with olive oil in them and a wick that went down to the bottom. And that's how they lit their houses. That's how they could walk around in the dark. Hear me. Now, I know this is not a clay pot. Matter of fact, this is an old-fashioned kerosene lamp. I, I got to be careful. I had my wife light this because I've been known to make fire just kind of up in the air in this place at times and almost catch it on fire. Uh, but look, Jesus is the light, but we are the light. And here is a good illustration of what was happening in Jesus' day and even to now. Let's imagine that's not kerosene, but it's oil. What does the Bible illustrate the Holy Spirit as? The oil. It's the oil, or it's the wine, or it's the... You see, uh, Jesus is using this metaphor to show us that oil, if it's inside of us, then we have the potential to light the world. Somebody help me preach. We look at ourselves just like I started with in this sermon, and we think there is no way God could use somebody like me or like you. We don't have value in us. We think there's no way. But if you got the oil in your lamp, then you have the potential to produce light. Now, look at this. There is something white inside of it. It's called a wick. And I imagine us being like the wick. And we're soaking up the Holy Spirit. And we're soaking that up. And then along comes the fire of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it lights us. And we have the potential to light our world wherever we are. Becca, you got to have the oil. you got to have the oil. And the Holy Spirit living inside of you to create this potential light be like the light be the light 
But not only does the Bible say that individually that we're the light of the world, but Jesus said collectively we are. A city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And sometimes we look at this wrong, and it does have this meaning, but it has much more depth than this. And we look at this church in the first and the second service, and we say that we're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And that is truth. But Jesus is talking about his church. And many times we think that we're it, and we're not all of his church. You see, if there's a church, a house of God in this community that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, that He gave His life on the cross, that He was buried, but three days later He arose, He was our substitute, our sacrifice for our sin, then they are a part of the city that is set upon a hill. Each one of us doing what the other cannot and will not and does not. We're a city set on a hill to light the world. That's why we need to work collectively with other churches and other ministries that we might light the world. Because Jesus said we're the church. We're the church. That organization, that living organism that He birthed, the church Jesus said I'll build my church and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it and it is that church that he will use you see he left this world he ascended into heaven and he said I've got a job for you and you're to be the light don't forget you're to be the light look at your neighbor one more time say be the light we're to be the light and he says don't hide your light Don't hide your light. We have a tendency to hide our light. Or Jesus wouldn't have said it. You see, this little thing that turns the wick, it broke. We couldn't turn it back the other way and cause the light to go out. So we had to get something to set over top of it to make it go out between the first and the second service. If we don't watch it, We'll let our light go out. Things will come over us. There will be a darkness. There will be something that keeps the light of Christ from shining through us. It's not that His light has died. It's that the world cannot see it except through us. Look at your neighbor and say, don't hide your light. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for how many of us have got in your mind that little song, this little light of mine. Uh, what a great truth so allow God's light to be on full display and guard against anything that will separate us from that source of light let your light shine so that it brings the glory of God you see Jesus said I'm the way the truth and the light Who knows the world needs some truth? Man, the devil has deceived this old world. It's calling darkness light and light darkness. It's saying what's up is actually down. It's saying what's down is actually up. It's saying what's good is evil and what is evil is good. It doesn't know the truth, 
but the light shines so that the truth might be revealed. Are we shining the light of Christ? Are we allowing the truth to be known through our life? Philippians 2.14 says, we're to be the children of God. In the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. The world is desperate. The world is dark. The world is deceived. Doesn't know which way to turn. And Jesus said, I have the answer. You are the light of the world. You. Not just a pastor. Not just a youth pastor or youth workers. Not just deacons or Sunday school teachers, but you. Whatever you do, you are the light of the world. You are. I'm going to go back to something I said last week. Many times we blame this world for the shape it's in. And there are evil people. And there, are, there is darkness in this world. And Satan is surely at work. But are we being the light? To the best of our ability, are we being the light? Look at your neighbor one more time and say, go be the light. Go be the light. That Spirit of God, let it set you on fire for Him. If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, my friend, you might not realize it, but you have been walking around in the darkness. I get up almost every night, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and I've been known to stub my toe because it was dark in the house. Maybe somebody left a shoe laying out. I don't know. But we need the light. Because the world's in darkness. The world is evil. The world needs you to do what only you can do. You and only you are the light of the world. No one was designed like you to touch the world like you. You're special. You're unique. You're called by God to do a specific work. How many believe, am, am I preaching this morning? How many believe that this morning? One last time, say, go be the light. If you're here this morning and you've been walking in darkness and you need the light of salvation, you can come to these altars or you can take a place at your seat and just call out to the Lord, God save me. For all those who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father God, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Use me. Make me like You, Lord. Cleanse my heart and my mind. For God, I want to be the light for You. If you're here this morning and you're sick in your body, you need a touch from God. If there are broken things and darknesses in your life that you need relief from then God's here and we still believe that whenever you come forward and we lay our hands upon you and we anoint you with oil 
James 5, that the prayer of faith will save the sick.